Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Happy September, everybody. It is the final month of the 2019 regular season. It is a very tight race in the NL Central. The Cubs are a few games back of the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that refuses to lose. They've had a lot of ups and downs. This past week, they've had probably more ups than downs, but there's still some frustrating moments. The Cubs are embarking on their final journey to try to take the division or at least get into the postseason. A lot of players are coming back. A lot of players are also getting hurt again. Back and forth, up and down, roller coaster ride. We have it all for you, so stick around and ride the roller coaster with us. Adam, how you doing? Great. That is great. I don't really care. Sorry. I anyway, know you don't. Let's just get right into this. There's a lot to digest right now. September 4th, it's an off day while we're recording this. As you know, the Cardinals are on fire. The Cubs have had, I'd say, a a pretty good week. If you go back to last Tuesday, considering they swept the Mets, and then you swept Seattle, which you needed to do, Pretty good. The Milwaukee series started off good, but was disappointing. You're heading into the final few weeks of the season, and you start a big four-game series against the Brewers in Milwaukee. It ironically starts the same night that the Bears and Packers kick off. Just a little fun thing there. So Wisconsin and Illinois are really going to hate each other for a while. How do you feel? Not terrible. To be honest with you, I think the Cubs still have a good shot to win this division. Uh, their their schedule, as far as the teams they're going to be playing, isn't too grueling. Uh, and I think the Cardinals are overperforming. I think that they're just a really hot team right now that's going to be due to cool off sooner or later. I look at that rotation, and there's really not too many guys that I see outside of uh, Flaherty that I feel really confident in if I'm a Cardinals fan. Um, Even a guy like Hudson, I think that you look at his deeper numbers, I think the peripherals tell you that he's a lot more hittable than his ERA would suggest. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I just think that the Cardinals are due to drop off here pretty soon. So you're thinking they're peaking too early, basically. Well, I mean, that's that's not necessarily to say that they're, you know, it's it's not a guarantee that they're going to cool off anytime soon. Uh, But in my opinion, I think they're going to, yes. I think that the Cubs just need to take uh, the advantage there of that opportunity. Yeah, it was really frustrating this weekend when the Cubs lost two really grueling games, got shut out back-to-back at home against the Brewers. You easily could have won either game if you just came up big in one certain spot. And then watching the Cardinals nearly take four out of four in two back-to-back doubleheaders, I mean, if the Cincinnati Reds would have held on to some of those games, they would have won three of four, and that would have made a really big difference. It's just, it's amazing what one loss and one win can do, what a huge difference it makes at this point of the season. And, and those are the kind of games you're going to look back at when it's all said and done. Uh, but I think, for me, I'm not I'm not ruling out a division title. But they would, for me, the Cubs would really have to get hot and the Cardinals would really have to cool down for that to happen, which it can. 
It definitely can. But the Cubs, to me, really don't have any room for error. They cannot rely on the Cardinals regressing because sometimes you regress over a few months, sometimes it's a few weeks. Every team is going to hit peaks and regress to lows. It's just the number of days and games that it takes to happen can vary. It often depends on how talented your team is. It depends on how motivated your team is. It depends on the teams that your team is playing. Schedule is a big factor. But like you said, I think there are some advantages that the Cubs do have moving forward. The Cardinals have had plenty of advantages the past month or so, but that's going to shift a little bit. You look, they have seven more games against the Cardinals. More of those, four out of those seven, are going to be at Wrigley Field. Well, I mean, and you look at the Cardinals' schedule, the big picture, after this Giants series, which they're probably going to win. I mean, it's... Uh, at best, they they might split. That would be ideal. But they got the Pirates coming up in Pittsburgh. Uh, probably, you know, if you're a betting man, you're 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 probably betting on the Cardinals to win that series. But uh, then they go to Colorado, and I know the Rockies are a last place team, but they're a good hitting team, and it's always tough to win in Colorado. Yes, when it you've is. got when you've got that lineup hitting in that ballpark, it just flies. Uh, and then after that, they've got the Brewers, and the Brewers are not totally out of it yet. I you know, it's probably not realistic uh, to win a division if you're the Brewers right now, but they are still fighting for a wild card spot, so they've got something to play for. And then after that, they've got the Nationals, who are also a very good team. So, and then after that, it's the Cubs. So it's 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 not a done deal for the Cardinals at all. They've got a tough road ahead still. So uh, I did a poll on Twitter among the Twitter sphere, kind of asking what Cubs fans thought right now going into this final month how they feel right now how they feel about the outlook of the season i basically gave them four options what are they going to do are they going to win the division are they going to be the first wild card are they going to be the second wild card or are they going to miss the playoffs majority still think they're going to win the division of the 118 that voted in this poll 47 percent voted for winning the division the second most was the second wild card spot 32 percent the first wild card spot, 11%, and then the 9% said miss the postseason. I mean, me, I'm in between that second wild card and win the division. To me, I think the Nationals, unless they really fall apart, they're going to be that first wild card team. I mm-hmm. don't see the Cubs catching them. If the Cubs were to catch them in that first wild card spot, they probably would have needed to take at least one of those games between the Nationals at Wrigley Field a week or so ago. Uh Right now, I'm not too not too down on them in terms of missing the postseason completely. I mean, anything can happen, but I mean, right now, I at least see them being a wild card team. Oh yeah, I I think so too. But you know, part of me, you know, when I say I think the Cubs are going to win the division, I think part of that is me subconsciously thinking. You know, if the Cubs, if it comes down to a wild card game, that's it's going to be it. They're going to be halted there. And I hate to be pessimistic if it came to that, but you know, I'm I'm kind of with you that I'm of the mindset that you've got to get past the wild card game to really consider your team in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not necessarily to say that I dislike the wild card game because I think it incentivizes more teams to to try hard rather than tank. 
at this point in the year, which is good. But I also, if your team gets to the wild card and gets beat out, then it's it's hard for me to really uh, see that as you know you went to the postseason. Uh, so I, I, you know, I I just don't think that the Cubs can be counted on in a wild card game. I think that they're still very capable of winning a series against just about any team. But if it comes down to one game, I I really I don't believe in them. I would, I have two thoughts on that. First of all, I have argued that I feel like if the wild card game was like a three round series, you'd see even more teams going for it. Because I think one of the things in baseball is GMs are like, all right, we're either going to be the second wild card or we're not going to be in at all. And while you have a chance in the wild card game, it's a real coin flip. So, do we want to put all our eggs in one basket where our season can end in nine innings? I feel like if you, it's at least a three game series, it'll feel like another playoff round. It'll kind of, it'll kind of be like the NFL where the top teams get like a quote unquote first round buy and the lower seeds have to battle in that first round. I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about that. Now going to the Cubs perspective of this, you bet your butt I would not love to see them play in Washington, likely facing Max Scherzer in a one-and-done playoff game. I don't think that it's necessarily like, oh, if they make it to the wild-card game, they're completely, totally screwed. I don't think you see that quite that dramatically either. No, it's it's just a matter of you know how many times over the last few years have we seen the Cubs sputter out in huge situations and hugely important situations too many and so so as a fan you you hate to see it come down to that again and i think it's just going to make everybody a little bit lethargic uh what what is interesting to me when you look at the standings i think the nl central is the only division left that has a race for first place i think all the rest of them are done yeah, I, I can. I mean, obviously, the NL West is done. That's been done since day one. Uh, the East, sure, the Nationals can keep winning, but I think the Braves, the Braves are clearly have. They're that. playing good ball right now, too. Yeah, it would take a lot for them to lose that division. And I mean, this division race, it's it's owning up to what people thought coming down to the wire. It's definitely the case, but I, I think, think... So, some people are probably surprised that the Cardinals and the Brewers aren't in, you know, swap those two. I'm not, but I think some people probably would be. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. But going into this season, especially after getting Paul Goldschmidt, I, I considered the Cardinals their biggest threat. Uh, again, you saw some of you've seen some of the regression from the Brewers pitching staff and, you know, they can still, I think, find a way to make it to the postseason because you look at the other teams that are in the wild card race. The Phillies are a team you never know who you're going to get. Sometimes they look like this dominant yeah. force. Other times they look like this complete overrated joke. You just don't know what the you're going to get the Phillies are wildly inconsistent. And, you know, here's another interesting thing about the, the playoff race. Hmm. Uh, you know, the the American League looks mostly settled. You're going to, I think the Red Sox, people say don't discount them, but I think they're done. It's going to come uh, yeah, down. Yeah, they're toast. I think it, it's going to come down, you know, it's a three-way race between the Indians, A's, and Rays. Uh, but you look in the National League, uh, 
the Brewers and the Phillies are the only two teams in the hunt that actually have a negative run differential. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's crazy. The the Brewers are only four games out of the second wild card spot, and they have a minus 38 run differential. Minus 38. Which is why if the Cubs really fell apart, didn't make the postseason, and they did, it would be absolutely sick. Yeah, it would be asinine. I mean, and you look at the team... Arizona is only a half game ahead of them, and they have a plus 76 run differential. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, that's absolutely nuts. And that's why. So I think that maybe there's even an argument to be made that uh, despite the Brewers pretty massive regression from last year, they're still overperforming a little bit. Well, I mean, I think to me, Christian Yelich has at times carried that team. Oh, absolutely. If they didn't have him, no doubt about they that. won't even be a 500 team. I guarantee it. That's Not I think this that year at least. That's part of why it's it's been so frustrating that it's taken the Cubs this long to sort of create a gap between themselves and the Brewers. Because, like I said, the Brewers have a minus 38 run differential. Meanwhile, the Cubs are at plus 79. So, I mean, so you, those, you look at... those blown games. Yeah, you, you look at that and you you can't help but think that they really should be in better shape than they are right now. Oh, they, there's no question. They should be in first place. If they didn't blow all those games, they'd be sitting in first place. I mean, this is a fun thing to think about. I mean, you look at a lot of these first place teams in other divisions and ask yourself, would you trade their roster for the Cubs roster? And on paper, I think a lot of times the answer is an obvious no. I mean, obviously the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers, though, they look far and away like the best team in baseball, better yeah. than the Yankees, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think that they can do the little things better than the Yankees, whereas New York has to rely a little more on the long ball. And but I, I mean, trust their pitching I, more than the Yankees. I Maybe this is controversial. Maybe it's not. I wouldn't trade rosters with Atlanta. I would not trade rosters with Washington. I certainly wouldn't trade rosters with St. Louis. So it's that's what's frustrating because the Cubs, they're good from top to bottom. I think nearly from top to bottom, and they on paper they are much better than what we've seen out of them. Yeah, I mean, I look at some of those rosters uh, that are kind of out there with the Braves. The thing with the Braves is is that they have a a ridiculous amount of young talent, but I wouldn't be ready to trade our roster for theirs because the Braves simply haven't won anything yet. Well, it's it's going to be interesting when they make the postseason how they perform because I, I I mean last year was was their first taste of of postseason baseball in a while, and a lot of those guys haven't been there, so it'll it'll be and interesting. They got extinguished how, pretty fast. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see how they handle that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally get, I mean, I've been saying it all year. Imagine, I've been saying it since day one. Imagine where we'd be if they just would have hung on to this game, this game, this game, and this game. I, look, look at, the, look at the two of the past three series against the Brewers. You hang on to those two games you blow in Milwaukee. When was that? Early August? Whenever it was. Or late July. Late July, early August is when they were, uh, when they were at Wrigley Field. But then you look at this past weekend. You could have easily won at least one of those games. You sweep Milwaukee in Milwaukee, and you take another one of those games this weekend. The Brewers are dead and buried. They're done. Well, yeah, I mean, and even uh, 
you think back on the series the Cubs and the Cardinals had uh, end of July, early August, when the Cubs dropped that series, uh, when they were close to to winning one mm-hmm. of those three. And, you know, that's it's a different story right now. If the Cubs yeah. just hang on and take care of it, then, you know, we're having a different discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still think the games that hurt the most were the Bryce Harper Grand Slam and the game oh, against the sure. Pirates the next day. Those, those two Phillies, games were awful. The Phillies sweep was absolutely deflating, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like the way they responded to it. I think that was that that showed a lot. But I think it was really it was really taking a lot out of them to get swept in that series. I Absolutely. Mean, that, that's that's another one where we're probably having a different conversation right now if they don't get swept there. And I, not even not even just winning that series, but if they just don't get swept, things yeah. look a little better right now. Yeah, you take I mean, that last game. Yeah. I mean, we we all had a feeling this was going to happen though that it was going to be so tight in this division that every game was going to matter a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just there is no room for experimenting and giving up runs when you don't have to for the sake of you know getting somebody some reps. I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm looking at the results since July, since like the second or third of July, basically around the holiday. It goes back to that four game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You had that game where you blew it with uh, Wilson Gutierrez dropping it in the outfield and Russell throwing home. One. Then you had that conclusion against the White Sox where you stranded a billion guys on base. Two. Another game you could have won there. Uh, Moving forward, you had another good homestand as you have had all year after the break. San Francisco. That game late when Pedro Stroke fell apart. Three. The two games in Milwaukee, four, five. One of those games in St. Louis that you didn't win, that you could have won, six. Then you go into August, the Bryce Harper, seven. The game after that, eight. There are eight games right there that this Cubs team easily could have won. If those eight losses are turned into wins, we'd be counting down the magic number right now with ease. That's that's just another thing uh, that separates the good teams from the shaky teams. You know, teams like the Dodgers don't drop multiple series to teams that they're better than. I mean, you, obviously you can't win every series. That's never going to happen. But the really good teams, the teams that you feel good about going into October, don't drop multiple series to way inferior teams. The Cubs have a tendency to play down to their competition a sure. lot. Sure. I mean, that first series in July against the Pirates, it's a good example. I mean, and and even, even Phillies-Mets. Look at Phillies-Mets. The Phillies, I think, you know, I don't feel good about the Phillies. I think the way the Mets were playing, they're so hot. Their pitching has been great lately. The Mets are a way better team than the Phillies right now, in my opinion. And the Cubs just sputtered out against the Phillies and then took care of business and hammered three really good pitchers in the Mets. And that has got to be frustrating for people to watch. Because, I mean, you look at those two series at the time they happened, and you it's, it's totally backwards. If you'd have told me they were going to get swept in one of those and they, were going to, and they were going to sweep in one of those, I would have had it backwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you look, look at the Phillies series. You got shut down by Jason Vargas. 
in the first game and Cole Hamels got bombed in the second game to the Philly. And I mean, the Phillies offense is good, but still you, you expect better from Cole Hamels, especially a guy who knows how to pitch in that ballpark. And then, I, well, yeah. And I, I think mostly you expect better from the Cubs lineup against Jason Vargas. Of course, of course. But then they score 10 runs off Noah Syndergaard. Exactly. Your backup catcher hits two monster home runs off the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what I'm saying here is you're getting shut down by a pitcher who's probably towards the end of his career in his mid to late 30s, and then you go out and dominate against one of the premier starters in the league. And then you come home and face a really struggling brewer staff, and they shut you out and, twice. Yeah, and I think that that's not a shocker to anyone. The Cubs constantly struggle against junk ball pitchers and the yep. Brewers all the time. Yep. I mean, it's is Zach Davies going to win nine out of ten games against the Cubs? Zach Davies just seems like the kind of pitcher the Cubs should tee off on. But it's it's really weird to me that we would feel more comfortable with the Cubs going up against Jacob Degrom or Noah Syndergaard than Zach Davies. I mean, look at Zach Davies doesn't even have an intimidating face. He's got a baby face. He looks Zach like Davies Doug. looks like he's 12 years old. He does look like Doug. The Cubs do, can't do, hit Doug. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I, I've always saw that since since he made his debut. I'm like, that looks like Doug. Man, that's there's a show I forgot existed. Holy yeah, cow. Blast that's from an old past. Yeah. yeah, that's a 90s classic right there. My the, God. the good Doug, the Nickelodeon Doug, the Disney Doug was no bueno. I don't think I watched any Disney Doug. You don't want to. It was much better on good old Nickelodeon. Trust I'll, me on this. I'll take your word for it. Well, I mean, now we're just watching it on whatever MLB is uh, network is showing the Brewers games nationally. And you, 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 the whole world gets to see Doug pitching for the Brewers these days. But, yeah, I mean, it's – look at Gio Gonzalez. He owns yeah. the Cubs. Yeah, Even that's another – he had no command the other day, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, that's another guy they should have been beaten up on. He had nothing. He another didn't pitcher, strikes at all. Another pitcher they recently faced that they should have had a better time against, Anibal Sanchez. Oh, yeah, they got completely shut down by Anibal Sanchez. Which Complete. wouldn't bother me. If it was 2010. Right. Back when he was good. This is modern day 2019 Anibal Sanchez. Nowhere near the guy he once was. Yeah, well, I mean, whoever, if the Cubs, you know, God forbid, if the Cubs make it past the wild card, if they have to play an actual series in the postseason, maybe, uh, maybe whoever's facing him should sign Bartolo Colon. Oh, could you imagine what Bartolo Colon would do to because this it, Cubs lineup? It would just be so typical for somebody like that to come in in October and, and the Cubs get, you know, like one or two hits in seven innings against them. So like what he did to us in the postseason a few years ago? Yeah, but but but, the, but they can beat Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can rough up Clayton Kershaw, but if you, you throw out Gio Gonzalez or, or Anibal Sanchez, nothing doing. Yeah, and not to mention so frustrating. Not to mention that in that in 2016, not only did you rough up Clayton Kershaw, even though you didn't win this game, you also had your pitcher hitting a three-run home run off Madison Bumgarner. 
just asinine. Look look at the look at the 2017 NLDS. Look at that game five. Your rally was against Max Scherzer. You beat Steven Strasburg in game one. It, it's 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 hilarious. And you go back to that Washington series. You remember, even though they didn't get a lot of runs off him, the approach against Strasburg was pretty good. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. But throw some dude who throws 83 miles an hour tops, bad at-bats, bad swings, just looking completely lost. It's crazy. That's, that's, just, that's who the Cubs are. That's I a, mean, I, it's a Chicago this, sports thing, I'm telling at you. At this point, it's their identity, yeah. Like, if nobody plays down to their competition like a Chicago sports team. It happens with all of them. I remember a few years ago, uh, it was the last year of the Bulls' true contention under uh, Derrick Rose, Noah, those guys. It was the 2014-2015 season. The number of games they lost against really bad teams, yet they went out in the regular season. They beat like the Lakers, who were still pretty good then. They would beat some of the top teams out there, like uh, LeBron's, like Cavs when he returned to the Cavs. Not in the playoffs, obviously, but he'd beat them. They'd beat the Pacers, who were uh, also a good team at the time. But then they'd play like the Charlotte Bobcats or something, and they'd lose. And then... You know, a few years ago as well, Bears beat the Packers at Lambeau Field on Thanksgiving, pull a huge upset, and then lose against, like, the winless 49ers, completely killing their playoff chances. It's it's a typical Chicago sports thing. Yeah, Chicago's, Chicago's having a rough go of it. And I tell you, I don't feel very good about the Packers and the Bears this Thursday either. I guess that's oh, tomorrow, you don't. isn't it? Yeah, it is tomorrow. Not not particularly. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be out on a revenge tour. I got to which... tell you, I'm a little worried about that too, but... You know what? The, I, I got to say, I, this has nothing to do with the Cubs, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Aaron Rodgers rubs me the wrong way lately. I used to like him a lot, and he's fun to watch. And, and he, he led me to my one fantasy football championship a few years ago, but... Everything he says and does nowadays annoys the crap out of me. Well, as a diehard Bears fan, it's been the case with me since he started playing. Even so. as, even aside from the Bears thing, it just everything he's his his comments on Andrew Luck kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit too. Like I didn't self- hear about that. Oh, he, he said it was totally selfless. Look, I don't know Dude. how you feel about the Andrew Luck thing. Well, to me. I'd say, hey, if I had vital organs literally punctured and my head beaten into the ground a million times, I'd probably want out too, frankly. I think it's the timing of it that bothers me, and what bothers me more, I think, is the media and player reaction to it. You know, And I, I'm not into piling on Andrew Luck for retiring. I don't have a problem with it. He's he's been beaten to hell. He's he's had a hard time staying healthy and coming back, so I get it. But when players in the media are talking about it like it this is some selfless act of courage, of bravery, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. Yeah, to me because, it's just because, the, hey, because I'm done. The, 
the season the season is just about to start. You've given no indication to anybody prior that you're that you're thinking about calling it quits. And it, it's a season in which the Colts were were thought that you know they could be pretty good. Oh, they well, could yeah, actually absolutely. have a postseason run. And then right before the season starts, your star quarterback says, eh, "You know what? I'm not feeling it." And and I I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that but i do have a problem with people saying that that's super courageous and brave and selfless like no it's not get the hell out of here he he just dropped a he just dropped a bombshell on his team you know it'd be one thing if this was a a typical colts team that was going to be god awful but they could have done something this year and then right before the season starts he's like you know what i'm not i'm i'm mentally worn out i i don't you know it's it's fine but don't don't call it selfless. Don't call it courageous. Yeah, I don't know if courageous is the right word. It's just the guy knowing how to take care of himself physically. And I, I know some Colts fans who understand but are also frustrated. The timing sucked. It really did yeah, suck. Yeah, I mean, if, if you feel that way, do it. Give your, give your team a chance to do something about it. I mean, I... Would Jacoby Brissett be the starting quarterback right now if if he'd let them know a few months ago? I maybe not. I mean, and maybe he would have, but at least give your team some time to fix it and to evaluate the situation. Instead, you you just kind of drop this on them at the last second. Like, you know, do what you got to do, but don't don't call this bravery because it's it's not. Yeah, my whole opinion is he made his choice. Just kind of just just let him be. Just I think be. I, I to me what this is is you had dozens of people on your team counting on you in a season that could have been special and you let them down. That's what I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration there. Um, you know, I still stand by his choice to retire, take care of yourself. But I, I agree, the timing does it's, suck. It's not the retirement that bothers me. It's the timing of the retirement and the reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I can, I can understand that. If he would have retired like right before the preseason, okay, at, at least you know you'd have time to. Then you, if yeah. Jacoby Brissett was your then, guy, he could then, get more acclimated. Yeah, with his then you, guys. you can get you can get him meaningful reps, or on the flip side, you could talk to other quarterbacks too, potential quarterbacks. I mean, I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced Jacoby Brissett would be the starting quarterback had they known a lot sooner. And I, I suppose there's a good chance he would be because I think that before Luck retired, Brissett was kind of viewed as like the premier backup quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, st- but he's I still, still not Andrew Luck. No, no, no. Very few are. When when he's healthy, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he'll I think he'll come back though too. I don't. I think he's going to take a couple years off and then come back. I'm to kind me, of expecting it too. The Broncos makes a lot of sense. Oh, could you imagine? Could you go literally the same path as Peyton Manning? I mean, yeah. obviously, I mean, Flacco's not going to be there but... forever. Yeah, yeah, but 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 if if he only takes a couple years off, once if he goes to Denver, he'll still be a lot younger than Peyton Manning was. Oh, that's well, that's true. I mean, Peyton Manning had a more track record of success in Indy, obviously, but. Yeah, it would just be funny. A cult legend going to the Broncos. It would yeah. just, you know, it, it would be kind of ironic to see that happen. Uh, but I know you were mentioning the Bears game uh, right as this uh, this Cubs-Brewers series starts. 
there's still part of me that is very nervous knowing what Aaron Rodgers has done to the Bears for so many years. Ugh. Well, but I feel like I guess, the Bears have the team to beat them. And I, yeah, I think that I think the Bears are a tighter unit than the Packers are too. I think there's a lot of internal struggles in the Packers organization. Yeah, especially with Rodgers. I mean, from what you've heard, it's things between Aaron Rodgers and his new coach aren't going swimmingly. Uh, yeah, and I like the Bears' defense a whole lot, though. Oh, I think uh, most people do, and as and, long as they're and, healthy. And, and, Danny Trevathan and Khalil Mack across the ball is a scary sight. Yep. My my one concern. Here's my one concern. Uh, this will be my last football analysis of this baseball show. They're gonna Chuck Pagano is probably going to have the team blitzing a lot, putting pressures on Rodgers, which can be a very good thing, but Aaron Rodgers is also very quick. So he's, he's able to deceptively release the ball quick. Fast. Yeah. yeah. People don't recognize him as a good runner which he deserves to be recognized as one and i'm not sure i'm not sure that i would have realized that either had i not had him as my quarterback in fantasy for a few years in a row because he got some he got some good rushing stats almost Mm -hmm. every game yeah oh yeah and he can he can scramble he's a good scrambler and not even just not even just like quickness on his feet i mean just releasing the ball too if you have you're blitzing and guys are open downfield and he finds them quickly, that can maybe cause some problems. So that's my one concern, frankly. I mean, I I guess I'm more more quote unquote nervous about Week One, this matchup against the Packers, as opposed to last year uh, at Soldier Field when the Bears clinched the NFC North, because by that time it was pretty obvious. The Bears were really good, and the Packers were done for. And it just seemed like the Bears had that game no matter what. This is a whole new season, a lot of differences. I'm not sure about their skill position depth, to be frank. Who are the Bears or the Packers? Bears. Well, so I, skill I, position? I, the, the Packers even more. I, I think that the Packers are, you know, of all the teams that could make the playoffs, I think the Packers have the most underwhelming group around their quarterback. Right, right. It's pretty much only Aaron Rodgers that gives anybody any faith in the Packers. Right, that's true. That's true. I mean, the Bear, the Bears have a great defense. I think it'll be they'll be really good this year. But I, Trubisky, Cohen, Gabriel, I don't, I don't know how they stack up against the rest of the league's skill players. That's going to be a big. Uh... Big thing we're going to find out. Anyway, back to baseball. I could go on football for a while, but uh, while we're on the topic, why don't we just look ahead to this four-game series against Milwaukee? All right. What are your thoughts? I mean, wh- where do you stand? What do you What do you see as kind of the minimal success needed for the Cubs here? I think... You you can't afford to lose this series. No. I really think they need to make a statement and take three of four. I agree. I think that I think even a split would be really disappointing and rightfully so. But I think so tomorrow night you've got Quintana on the mound. Quintana has been very good lately. Uh, so I, I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. But then like we talked about, Chase Anderson is the kind of pitcher that can own the Cubs. 
I mean, you you look at him, you look at what he's got, you look at his stats, and you you should think that the Cubs will rough him up, uh, but you're not confident about that. And then obviously the next game you got Cole Hamels. You need a better start out of Hamels. I mean, it's it's I know that he's coming off of an injury and it's been kind of rough, but you got to you got to be getting more out of Cole Hamels right now. But then yep. again, they're going against Zach Davies, who likes to own the Cubs. Doug. Yeah, so so yeah, Doug, freaking Doug. So already, <laughs> already you're, you're starting to worry a little bit. After that, you've got Darvish versus Gonzalez, another guy who the Cubs just can't seem to hit enough. And if Darvish hadn't missed a start, then I'd feel really confident about this game. Yeah, that's because my Darvish, concern there. Darvish has yeah. just been pitching out of his mind, striking everybody out, and he just does not walk anyone. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if he hadn't missed a start, then I'd feel really good about that game. But now we're kind of left with this question mark because we don't know the severity of this arm tightness, if it's going to affect his performance, uh, if he's going to have some rust to shake off from missing and, some time. And There's look, a... I, I give Tyler Chatwood a lot of credit for pitching well in a number of situations, but I really don't think they could handle another Tyler Chatwood start in that spot. No, no, I don't think so either. So the the Darvish one is a little bit of a question mark, but I think I, I still would give the Cubs the edge in that one. And then in the last game of the series, game four, you've got Kyle Hendricks going against Hauser, who I'm not sure I've even heard of up until now. Uh, and you know Hendricks has been a little up and down iffy lately, but I, I think Kyle Hendricks bounces back and looks more like himself. So on paper... On paper, I think that conservatively, you're giving the Cubs an advantage in three out of the four, pitching-wise. But that being yeah. said, that being said, they're all pitchers who the Cubs tend to struggle against. Yep. Uh, and and so, re- it, optimistically, I, I think that Zach Davies versus uh, Cole Hamels is the one where the Brewers have the biggest advantage. Yeah, and I maybe think otherwise if Cole Hamels was fully functional and healthy, but he's not. Uh, and if if he gets in early trouble at Miller Park, that could really get ugly. Well, and that's that's been the biggest issue with Cole Hamels in his recent starts is, is get starting off slowly. I mean, I think in his last start, it, it started pretty rough, and then he gave him another four or five pretty good innings. But it's it's all about how he gets started in those first couple innings that seems oh, yeah. to set the yeah. tone for it. Uh, but, I mean, it, it would be one thing if, if a bad first couple innings meant giving up or a run or two, but for Cole Hamels that usually means a bunch, and you find yourself in a hole that you just realistically don't expect to climb out of. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at that series, and the Cubs should have an advantage. And and the reality is, is they're just a much better team than the Brewers are right now, and they really don't have an excuse to lose that series. And I mean, you're doing, you're trying to do two things here. Not only are you trying to catch the Cardinals, you're trying to bury the Brewers. You have, you haven't let the Brewers right back in, but you've kept them alive. Well, that's, that's the scary thing is, is that, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is let the Brewers back into the hunt. We saw what happened last year. Now, granted, I still don't think they can, do exactly what they did last year again, but you don't you don't want to see it. You don't want to even take that chance yet. So I, 
I mean, the Brewers are going to be real. That's that's going to be the toughest part. Is the Brewers are going to be really motivated here? Oh yeah. Because if they if they win the series, then they're back in the thick of it. Yep. And if exactly. they just if they split, then you they probably that's probably not quite enough. No, but, it's but if not. They, if they take three out of four, then the NL Central gets a lot more interesting. So this this is going to be a massive series for the division. It could it, it could either be a, a three way race by the end of this week, or the Brewers could be buried and done. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. That really is. That's why it, it is so important. And that's your last series with Milwaukee. So you know, kind of like 2017, uh, it ended in a four-game series in Milwaukee. That's that's how it ended that year, but obviously a lot better in the Cubs' favor. Uh, after that, there is one more notable series before they come back home again. So San Diego, they're four in San Diego. That is a team where you have to beat them. You are clearly superior to them. But boy, oh boy, I can see that being a real pain for them. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't played very well lately, but the, the Padres are a capable team, I think, is a, an okay way of putting it. I mean, you, I think that on any given day, they're much better than their record suggests. They've got some really talented young guys on that team. And I think that, you know, looking way ahead on the 11th, you've got Cole Hamels versus Chris Paddock. That's a really losable game for the Cubs. And so you, you want to put yourself in a position where you don't have to win that game to take the series. Yeah. Now, the thing I have with, the Padres is that you look at the Cubs recent history against them. They have not fared well at Petco park. They've lost a lot of frustrating games in that ballpark. And I think part of it is, you know, they like to go for the home run. They like to swing for the fences and well, that's not a hitter friendly ballpark. No. Now you do have a break. A notable break. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have to face Fernando Tatis Jr. It sucks that he's hurt. I love the kid. But, you know, the Cubs are not going to face him. The kid is a stud in the making. Mm -hmm. But he's going to be out. Uh, The corpse of Ian Kinsler... You wouldn't really normally count that as a win, but we've seen ways that old washed-up players have killed the Cubs, so I guess count that as something. Maybe Cubs fans can get him to flip the bird again. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Even though he's on the 60-day DL, why not? Now the Padres got to give their fans some reason to watch. Absolutely. They trade away Framil Reyes, who is a pretty underrated player, 27 home runs, I mean, your biggest foes are going to be Machado, Hunter Renfro, Austin Hedges. Even though his his stats don't look good, his stats against the Cubs, from what I remember, I mean, he's done some damage against the Cubs. And Eric Hosmer has had a very nice bounce back season. He's got he 20 has. home runs. He's hitting 285, 330, 455. 
there's a lot of notable guys on this team, but you're going to have to beat their pitching staff. Yeah, because their I pitching mean, staff outside Paddock is nothing to boast about. I mean, again, the Padres, that's a team that the, the Cubs need to win that series. That it's you know, it, it's one thing when you when you got to fight and claw against a, a a team that's just as good if not better, but when you're playing a team that's 64 and 74 right now, you got to win that series. Yeah. You're in a tight race, you you just have to. You have yeah. to beat teams like that. Yeah, there really is no room for excuses at this point of the season. Uh, I mean, and then you're going to come home. You know, we mentioned the Pirates, who the Cubs have pretty much taken care of lately. But you have those Cincinnati Reds. The Reds who seem to just... The Reds who seem to just completely crumble against division opponents, but then they play the Cubs and they look like world beaters. Every time. God, has has any team been more frustrating for the Cubs than the Reds this year? Uh, Consistently, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I think the the Reds are just that gnat that won't go away. Right. You've beaten up on the Pirates. Outside that one series in early July, you've beaten up on the Pirates pretty well. Uh, The Milwaukee Brewers, it's been pretty back and forth, but you kind of expect that. Same with the Cardinals. Uh, you look at the other teams you played. Uh, you know, Washington beat you. They're really good. Uh, you've been up and down against the Phillies and the Braves, which is both a good and bad thing. You played pretty competitive baseball overall against the L.A. Dodgers. But those stinking Cincinnati Reds. Uh, you look at that Acuno kid who's torn it up. He doesn't do a thing against the Cardinals. He's impressive. He is. And you know he's going to hit at least three in that series at Wrigley Field. Maybe more. Well, you hope not, but it almost seems inevitable. I mean, nobody can stop him. Except the Cardinals, lately. Apparently. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, yeah, that that's, that's probably going to be a very pesky, annoying series, though at least we don't have to deal with Puig anymore, and you hope Trevor Bauer continues to suck when they play him because he has not been good for the Reds. No, he has been god-awful for the Reds. Yeah, well, well and I, you, I mean, you could tell after his uh, his meltdown where he chucked the ball at, and in his postgame presser, he did not want to be traded. But you could you could kind of tell by the tone of his voice that he knew it was going to happen. Yep. And that was probably the last straw. Uh, it is kind of funny that he got to stay in the same state, though. Yeah. And so did Puig. Yeah, it was, so it was Puig. a small trade. That's right. That's right. And Puig's last moment as a Red was being in the brawl with the Pirates. Yeah, fitting. It, it was it was pretty ironic that, like, Poetic. he's getting in a brawl, and he doesn't know he was traded. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, everyone's watching. They're like, hey, Puig, you've been traded. And meanwhile, he's out on the field of battle. Just ima- imagine being the team that, that traded for Puig and thinking, oh, God, is, is he going to have to serve a suspension before he even gets his new jersey? <laughs> that, that was the <laughs> other funny part about yeah. that. <laughs> that was a wild night. Puig, your friend. Puig, your friend. But, yeah, I mean, just long story short, this is going to be one roller coaster of a month. As, you know, this this whole season has been a roller coaster. I'm just glad I was at the game on Monday. I was just glad they took care of business against that awful Seattle Mariners team. 
Boy, and you were worried they were going to drop that first one, though, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. Because and then... it, had, it had been, what, up until they scored, it had been 20-something consecutive innings without scoring. It was like 24-ish, I think. Yeah, I, mean, was, I remember it was, it was at least ridiculous. 23. Totally ridiculous. Right, and it's like the few breaks they weren't getting. And then finally they did. Obviously, Rizzo had a great at-bat, tied it with a single. And then Schwarber just hit a ground ball that went skipping right off the bag. I mean, it was about time they got a little break there. And I think Pat Hughes was right. That was probably the loudest crowd of the year. Just just being there in person, that place was really loud. Because all the fans, you could, you could tell there was tension in the stands. People were looking up at that old green scoreboard and seeing the Cardinals had won again. And knowing how important this game was, I mean, it really felt like a must-win game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that you drop that game, I think it's, it would be so demoralizing given the circumstances that I, I could have seen them losing the next game and they would just have their heads hanging at this moment. I, it's, I, yeah, I think it was vitally important that they found a way to win that game and hopefully this this whole thing of going 20-something innings without scoring is over. I mean, there's really no more room for that for the rest of the way. Well, luckily they scored six runs the next day. So, yeah, hopefully you're right. Uh, speaking of that second game, pretty important things happened in that second game. You had yeah. the return of Ben Zobrist and, surprisingly, Wilson Contreras. And you look at the night they had... They both had very good nights. Zobris had a bunt single and a walk. He got on base a few times. Wilson Contreras, his first at-bat back from a hamstring injury, hits an absolute laser to the left field bleachers. That was an impressive swing of the bat. Yeah, and it's it's just great news to have him back. Because, I, I mean, I think I said it last week on the show that Wilson Contreras is an absolute difference maker in big mm-hmm. games. And if if you're, you know, if you're in the, the postseason hunt and if you make it into the postseason, having a guy like that changes things. The ability to throw anybody out at second trying to steal is huge in close games. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah, it's that's having Wilson Contreras not just for the bat, but for his defense too is a big deal. And look, we got to give all the credit in the world to Victor Caratini for doing what he's done while he's been job. gone. Yeah, absolutely. From all ends, never forget the plate. Never forget the Victor Caratini game against the Mets. That home run, that second three run home run he hit Mm -hmm. off Jacob deGrom. He pimped that one. That was a (laughs) missile. Yeah, he had every right to pimp that one. Yeah, yeah, he earned that one. He did. It was out with like. You blinked, and it was already out of the stadium. That's yeah. how hard that ball was hit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 one thing, you know, you, you pimp it against a pitcher hardly anyone's ever heard of. It's like, okay, come on, really, dude? But you do it off of Jacob deGrom. Yeah, you've earned it. You are a backup catcher, a young backup catcher, who just hit a missile off the reigning Cy Young winner, and you looked at that face that Jacob deGrom made when he was hit. Like, he he was just absolutely speechless. He didn't know what to do. He just Victor. stood there, like, looking at the vapor trail. <laughs> Victor Caratini deserves a lot of credit 
Absolutely. for the role for the role he's filled this year for doing whatever is asked of him and doing it with optimism and doing it well. He deserves a ton of credit. I mean, nothing about his numbers are flashy, but you know, filling in at first base when Anthony Rizzo's hurt, filling in for Contreras while he's hurt. Victor Caratini was a really important piece for the Cubs this year, and it's it's looking like they made a really wise decision hanging on to him. Yeah, and you know, hey, if you look at the numbers... 270, 356, 460, nine homers, and an OPS of 817. OPS plus of 108. I'll take that. Absolutely. Those are very solid numbers. You compare it to last year. He played in two more games last year than he has now. Last year he played 76. This year he's played 74. Last year he hit 232 with two home runs and an OBP of below 300. His OPS was 597. This year it's in the 800s. Isn't that something? That is something. I mean, good for him. He was always a a highly touted prospect, and I thought his development was kind of hurt from having Wilson Gutierrez in front of him, but... He's gotten meaningful playing time, yeah. He has, and he's made the most of it. He's he's learned from it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, he he's not just been somebody that, you know, that you're you're forced to play, but somebody he you actually you feel good about him now. When he has to, I mean, if Rizzo is out for whatever reason, you you don't feel terrible about that spot that Victor Caratini's taking. I mean, he's been he's been a very serviceable backup at first and catcher. And the nice thing is too is that you know down this stretch, just handling Wilson Contreras, you saw it last night. If you have a late lead. You can take Contreras out the last inning or two, and then mm-hmm. either put in Caratini or Lucroy. I mean that that's a really nice well, thing to have. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's a luxury that not a lot of teams have. That you you can take your starter out, and you feel good about the bat that you're putting in for him. Not a lot of teams can say that. They have four catchers now, don't they? Because I believe they called up Taylor Davis for the September call-ups. Oh, did they? I did not see that. They're carrying four catchers, huh? Yeah. I mean, mm. Taylor Davis isn't going to play much, but... Well, we hope not. I mean, nothing against Taylor Davis, but if he is playing a lot, then that, that means things have gone catastrophically wrong for some people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if this was one of those years where the Cubs are running away with the division and they clinched with like a week to go, you would see multiple starts from Taylor Davis, but that's because the games wouldn't really mean anything. But that's not the case here. No, he's just he's just there. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure they called him up. I I thought they did. Uh, but I mean, either way, you, you have multiple catchers and it's a nice thing to have, especially when your star catcher has had hamstring issues. It allows him to get any proper rest he might need, because like you said, he's very vital to a run and you got to do what you can to not only have him play and contribute, but to also protect him as well. Well said, partner. Well, then, I think we're going to end it on a very high note. We are just about out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, thanks, as always, for coming on. I want to thank everybody for listening. A reminder, you could check out Cubby's Crib at cubbystribcot.com. You could also check out this podcast at itunes.com. Until next week, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later.